0: Gig Gab, The Working Musician's Podcast, episode number 52 for Monday, February 15th, 2016. Welcome to Gig Gab, the working musician's podcast at GigGabPodcast.com. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, where it's currently snowing, but it'll probably change to rain soon. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: Here in Las Gatos, where it's ridiculously lovely and warm, it's Paul Kent. <laughs> that's awesome. It was, almost, it was almost 80 today. That's,
0: <laughs> that's outstanding. That's really <laughs> warm for you, even this time of year, right? Although I guess you get that occasionally this time of year, right?
1: it's usually it's still winter it can be cold it's usually wet except for the last couple of years this is this is like spring fever weather like we were just out of dinner and walking around in short sleeve shirts and and it's you know the middle of february it's crazy we had the great rains that helped us a little bit with the drought you know which was good and, and it felt like winter for a while but now we're kind of back to this unseasonably weird stuff makes you want to play outside that's what it makes you want to do I yeah, I love playing outside in that weather. I don't love playing
0: outside in the weather that I have here. But, but <laughs> thankfully no one else wants to be outside uh to watch music, so it it all exactly. it all sort of works out. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's good. That's Dude, good. 52. This is our fifth a year of Gig Gab. A year of Gig Gab. That's right. Yeah. I love it, man. It, we've had such a good time this year. For those of you who don't know, Dave and I are longtime friends. Dave lives on the East Coast; I live on the West Coast. We met each other through uh, our day job life, and uh, and that day job life led to a, a musical relationship where we played in a band in the you know like a pickup band for a trade show in the industry that we worked in. And uh, but our our friendship you know has transcended all that many times over over the years. And the the idea for this podcast came from we always used to love getting on the phone and just catching up on our musical projects and just seeing where we were. Dave's a well-known podcaster in the tech world. And so we were like, Hey, let's just talk every week. It gives us a re- reason to talk and we'll just record the conversations and see where it goes. And that's what you guys have been listening to for the fast, the past, uh, it's actually 54 weeks, but 52 episodes. That's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it was our excuse to vent to each other. I, 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 firmly believe that the best podcasts are born out of that people that want to talk to each other about something and uh but hopefully can you know spin that in a way that becomes interesting for other people to listen to and and as we're seeing uh, so far so good
1: yeah <laughs> i mean great. we get we get these really nice comments about people who just really identify with the way that we're going about this and i've learned a lot both from our guests and from dave over the past year and it's fun. I mean, you know, those of us who are into this is a, one of those hobbies, so to speak. That once it gets into your skin, it takes you over. You think about it an undue amount. You 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 buy. You spend more money on things just to pass the time between when you can pay when you can play again. But this has been um, this is like therapy to me to be able to just talk about life in a band, talk to my buddy, hear from some really smart and interesting people, learn some stuff. So. I think we're doing a good thing here, Dave. And, you know, here we go on to the year number two. I uh,
0: Here's to year number two. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, You say that you've learned a ton from it. I feel like I'm the one that learns the most every week that we get together and it's a, it's a true pleasure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. All right. So I got something cool for you. So, okay. um, I told you that I got involved with my town is one of the towns that does one of these summer weekly music series. And, uh, it was going to fall away. And, and me and some friends stepped forward and said, all right, well, it can't go away. We want it to happen. So I'm organizing a music series. And I think I was sharing last week how I have to be very cautious because there's 10 weeks of gigs. I have way more than 10 weeks of bands worth of friends to, to be involved with. So I actually, my role in this is more about the event organization uh, and a little bit about the music stuff, but um, and actually the the main role that I I volunteered for was to step up and do the fundraising for this. So I'm the one knocking on the local businesses' doors and saying, "Hey, can you help us make this happen?" That's and a good. My, that's a good job for you. I mean, it, it is a good it, job
0: for me. You've you've done that sort of thing before, either well, both directly and managing a staff that does those sorts of things. So this is, this is not
1: this is not out of your wheelhouse. Not out of my wheelhouse, but you know, I'm kind of intelligently taking a step back from putting myself on the front lines of making decisions or, or being having to disappoint friends, bands that we wouldn't have a spot for, wouldn't be right for it. I don't want to make any promises that I can't keep. You know, so, so the actual programming of this music series, I'm not having very much to do with. I made a couple suggestions for bands that I know from around the area that haven't played series before that I thought would be a nice change. And I guess I'm technically the tiebreaker if my other two partners, um, you know, can't agree. Sure. Uh, but that I don't know if that's going to happen. But here's something really interesting. And I want to get your feet on this. So uh, Scott, my buddy, who is actually doing all the heavy lifting with regards to recruiting the bands, he was like, you know, many of these bands do this circuit all around the Bay Area. I mean, Each town has some unique ones, but there's, you know, the really good bands get a lot of offers to do many of these things. And we're certainly bringing a couple of those bands into ours. But my buddy Scott said, what do you think about we take one week and you organize an all-star band featuring made up of players from some of the best bands in the area. And uh, I think it would be really interesting because all those players have fans of their own. It would be something very unique to this town, promoting local music, local musicians, local bands in a different type of way. And I thought about it and I had like a bunch of reasons to do it, (sighs) a bunch of reasons not to do it, (laughs) but, but here's the deal. I'm going to, I'm going to lay it at your feet here. It's going to be a one-off thing, no rehearsal, not even macro all-star band rehearsal time. This is like, we're going to, we're going to send a song list. I expect you to come prepared to play. Um, there'll be a couple of house rockers in it. Steve Psychotis, my buddy who has been on the show is going to be on it. Um, Mary Ellen's, you know, she's a great singer. So, so I, I envision it being kind of a house band type of thing and mostly bringing singers from many other great local bands to come through and they'll get their one or two songs, But the band will, will, you know, be more or less stable. I might have like two drummers and the guys will switch off, you know, different songs, two bass players. I think there's going to be four or five guitar players. All right. Sorry, I'm going to stop you right here because you're telling me too much. All right. 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 I mean, I I, I, I to you and I say, Dave, I want to do a pickup band. The, The constraints are no rehearsal. Right. But other than that, it's a blank, it's a blank slate. What would you do?
0: Yeah. So my, I I already know a little bit, which is why I stopped you because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to learn more because now, now my ideas are going to go counter to (laughs) potentially to what you've already set in motion and that, but that's fine. Right. Um, I I would, I, I grok the concept of essentially pulling in a known rhythm section. Right. But my feeling knowing that you're the one organizing it is that that should not be the house rockers rhythm section. Only because then it's like this. Is it really an all-star band or is it Paul organized the house rockers to welcome these various guests? Right. So so that just just from kind of an outside perspective, I'm Mm -hmm. either a fan of music in the Bay Area or I'm a musician in the Bay Area. It would be cool if you grabbed. A bass player and a drummer from another band, and maybe you still have the option of doing this, right? You know, for some of the tunes, like swapping people out, or like you said, I, right? I think I think that would be a good thing. It would keep, it would, it, it you know, the especially if it's if it's you playing rhythm guitar, and if if you had um, Steve and Joe playing bass and and drums, it's gonna sound like the House Rockers because mm-hmm. it is. Right, you, you know, so and I don't know who you've picked, and that's why I stopped you, right? Because I, 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 you said you have some house records. I don't want to know who, who they are yet. So I, I think you, you got to mix that up so that it, it sounds like whatever this band is going to be, um, and and I think that's important. I like the idea of bringing in other, you, you know, singers and stuff, and and maybe you know if you've got a, a great lead player from another band that you can pull in, uh, to, you know, to, to fill that in, maybe a keys player from another band that you could fill in a horn player from another band, you know, and, and rotate those people in your set list. Um, I, I, I assume you're going to let the singers choose their own, to- their own tunes, but they've got to be tunes that people can learn without a rehearsal. Is that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how I would do it. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, and you alluded to this, you and I have walked this path before, but, but it was you who paved it certainly for the all-star band. Right. I mean, you, you pulled together the first incarnation of that. You were the band leader f- uh, for several years, uh, straight until you finally forced others to, take that. <laughs> 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 which, which was good. Right. And I, I mean, I can see the same thing happening here, which is why I feel like it shouldn't be, just this core of the house rockers, because if thing, this thing happens next year, great, you organize it again. Then if it happens a third year, yeah, you know what? Maybe let Steve Sayakotos, you, you know, pick the the musicians and organize it because you're not going to want that hat every year. You know, frankly, right. I mean, we, we know. Listen, folks, as someone who's been walked this path with Paul, know that he's not going to want that hat every year. Uh, you're going to need to twist his arm in about five years to take it again. So uh, you know. So I th- I th- I think that's good. The um the no rehearsal thing I get it right, but um you need to make sure you somehow it, you still need to be entertaining, right? You you, you want this to be? I would g- want this to be different than an open mic night with a house band. I, hmm. I, you know, I I think you need to put some thought into flowing the evening together, and I, you know, I feel like, it, and I'm no fan of rehearsal. Don't get me wrong. I, I when you first said no rehearsal, I was all giddy. I'm like, oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> well, because there's some danger to it, right? And that's fun. And and oh, you know, you're figuring out how to play together, and it becomes this success story of the night because everybody will make it happen, and then you get to the end, and it's like, woo! But uh, you know. you, you either need to have a rehearsal or you really need to be thoughtful about building the set list and communicating to everyone how important it is that this flow and not just be this stutter step of an evening. That's, you know, like kind of the thing that everybody looks back on and says, yeah, that was interesting, but every other night was way better this summer. You know, you don't, especially your first year of doing this, you don't want this thing, especially that one of you organized to be, to feel like it was just thrown together. Cause I know it's not going to be, I mean, here we are talking about it already. It's not going to be thrown together. You want to make sure that, that there's, that, that it, that it comes off as, as, and you've got enough time. You can have a rehearsal. Come on. It'd be good.
1: Um, well, so here's the thing. There's a couple things. One is with the right people, no rehearsal is a cool thing. If you're picking people who you trust to yep. do their homework and uh, it's actually kind of thrilling, you know, to oh, gotta, know. you know, it, you feel vibrantly creative to just get on stage and do it. Listen, that's why I got all giddy about it. Right. I mean,
0: I'm that <laughs> I'm that guy. I got uh, to toot my own horn, but I'm the, you know, I, and there's other players like me. I'm not the only one in the world, but I'm the one that likes to show up and just play yeah. and, and it's on the spot. And but you need people like me that will get the fact that yes, this is without a rehearsal, but the only people that should be aware of that are the people on stage. And we're the ones yeah. excited about it. And now the goal is to make it seem like we play together all the time.
1: So yeah. those are the well, people you, you need with you. And then you can and do right. it without and a rehearsal. That's how I would hand, that's how I would hand pick this is. Yeah. And and as I've thrown out the, the, the line to, my inner circle of people that I would want to do this with, um, they're ones who are, are are all the things that you're saying, a, I know that they will be very prepared. They are pros and they, you know, they don't, they don't have, but anything. And the second thing is they get a show. This is not uh, just all about the novelty. This is not all about the, can we pull it off or look how clever we are for pulling it off. They would get, you know, this is what you do. You show up and you go from one song into the beat of the next song or, or, you know, you follow the leader, whatever that means. And yep. so I feel pretty confident that both of these things can happen. And literally with the number of people and how busy everybody's summer gets, um, they, I don't, I truly don't think a rehearsal is, is feasible. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, it, you I know, understand pretty much. Everybody's playing every Thursday through Sunday, almost all summer long. You know, could you do it in the beginning of the week? Eh, maybe, but, uh, I think if you pick the right people and that that is actually you're 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 answering the question that I ask is like, you know, uh, and I've asked the, the people I've thrown the line out to like there's a lot of people I know who are great players. But are there people in that circle of great players that will say yes and not do the necessary work in advance? Well, there's probably a ton of them because and I've and, you know, we've
0: both worked with them. Where they're great players and they're so confident in their abilities that they that they'll say, well, I'll just I'll make it through the gig. I, heck, I've been there, I've done that, you know, yeah. and it can work. But it, but again, you need the player that that even if they're going to do that hits the stage, knowing the again, you know, the, this thing that's a, the novelty of it really needs to be sort of the secret message amongst us on stage. Like, look what we just did. We pulled it off
1: and nobody knew. Y- you know, well, I'll give you an example. I got some feedback about one guy. He's one of my favorite players in the area. I'm not going to say what instrument he's on or sure. anything like that. But but um, uh, the feedback I got was great player, but really is one of those guys who has a real hard time if things go off chart, you know, if things go left. And that's another set of skills, right? So totally. there's the guys who can show up. There's the guys who, if you tell them, learn the symphony, they will know every note when they come into you and they're pros of that vein. But you also need like the guys in my mind are the ones who are, know how to listen, know how to, um, uh, how to bail you out of a trouble right. spot. Right. And that's a different set of skills. I mean, there, there are guys who their perception of professionalism has to do with ultra preparation. Yes. But are there's, there's a subset of those guys who have a really hard time if things go off script. I'm surprised that that, that that is a, a possible you know, personality type of a pro, but I hear it over and over and over oh, again. No, no, it, it it's, it's, it's
0: very well, they get to be pros by rehearsing and perfecting and then going out and delivering. Right. Yeah. And, and, and there's, I mean, listen, it, it works as long as they get to control the box. But you don't want them in this box and that's okay. But like you said, you want to know that going in. Yeah. And most people, I I would say I'm, i you know, of the people that I know that are like that, at least half of them know that they're like that. Right. And would say no to something like this. Like, no, that's not my thing. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Awesome. You you know, the the problem is, you know, the people that don't know that they're, don't want to admit that they're like that. (laughs)
1: That's a problem. So it's two things: it's in the selection of the players and the selection of the songs. Yeah, yeah, pretty simple.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's a simple formula that you need the right people to execute, and then it can really be a blast. Yeah, and you got to make sure that you know there's because there's always weird things that happen between musicians, right? You know, especially in in the same circles. You got to make sure that you're not putting two of the wrong people together without without at least being aware of it. Cause you know, somebody slept with somebody's girlfriend at some point in time. (laughs) You know what I mean? There's always those, it's like, Oh, seriously. (laughs) You're like, okay guys, let's go. You know, but that's, you just, you, you want to avoid that if you can. For sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm actually getting excited about the prospect of it. I mean, I got enough good feedback. Yeah. Enough, you know, like one guy said he would cancel a standing gig. sounds like such a good time. And it's a, it's the type of thing I like to do. I mean, I, I told you, I, I organize A holiday get together you know where i just say if you're a musician just come and hang out and i i like being around bands i like being around musicians i like the dynamics that happen i can't host every musician i know at this type of thing but you know it's a nice way for bands who might not get a slot in this weekly concert series to get some exposure and some participation if they want it yeah um and so I, I And I assume first, you're going to be the host of this
0: thing, right? I mean, in terms of managing the flow on stage, you're going to be the band leader in other words. I'll be the band leader. Yeah. But that's good. And so you'll have the opportunity to make sure you you know you recognize everybody and and you know that's that's absolutely. that's Tim from the, the who's he what's it's and that's you know Bobby from this band and Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that's a
1: large part of what this is about is yeah. is sharing with the listening community you know, you may not have heard of this band. And these are great people who are out there working hard to entertain you every night and exposing the audience to new musicians and starting ex- exposing the musicians to new audiences. So if I can pull it off, I'll be pretty proud of it. It's a, it was an interesting idea. I started out, you know, 40, 60 against. And today I'm probably 70, 34. Uh, and uh, it's trending towards I think it would be a fun project to do. I think not it's a good idea. Know. No, I, I think you should definitely do it. I mean, there's, you know, there's some pitfalls, potential pitfalls,
0: and, you know, any gig, even a gig where you're playing with a band that you've played with for whatever, 10 or 15 years, there's always potential pitfalls, and you're going to run into something you don't predict, and that's fine, like, you know, like we're saying, you just need to make sure you pick the musicians that can just roll with it, and it's like, all right, cool, we'll have a good time, look, those monitors on that side of the stage don't work, they're not going to work, and you know what, it's time to play,
1: let's go. Yep. And we've had this conversation on the show several times, but I will put it out there to the audience. If you guys can recommend songs that would constitute the rock and roll fake book, um, I would love to get some feedback as to what are good songs, you know, for a rock and roll, basically it's not a jam session. Cause it's not like we're trying to open these things up, but what, what are the taking care of business sweet home, Alabama, you know, give me three steps. W- w- help me fill out that list of potential songs that would be a fun thing to bring to the project like this.
0: That would be. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, you, and, and you did it just there. starting with what we used to do in the all-star band with the right. Macworld stuff. Cause it's just easy, you know, and it sounds like, you know, you're going to have um, all sort of top level players. So you might be able to have a stretch tune or two. And I think that would be a good thing so that you're not just playing, you know, three chords in the truth all night long, but you should play three chords in the truth most of the night. And, yeah, and, and then have, you know, your stretch tune here or there just to, you know, keep it interesting and then, you know, engage the crowd in that if if the moment is right. Like, all right, here's one that uh, is going to be a little bit of a stretch and we're going to make it happen. You know, that kind of thing. What was that fun. band
1: that, that Chris Breen used to talk about? Three, three great chords, 10 great albums. Yeah, <laughs> three, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of
0: bands, right? I mean,
1: it's it's how it goes. And that's a good thing. All right. Well, I'll report back as, okay. as this is going on. The other thing I wanted to share very briefly, I told you about this. Um, Steve organized a Beatles tribute night for the, for the anniversary of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, 16 acts. The evening went fantastic. I mean, it was run great. I mean, you know, we had a friend of ours who did stage management and got the bands on and off and uh, it was really a Beatles fest. I mean, some wonderful interpretations, some very true interpretations. Steve actually played with two buddies of his. They did all of side two of Abbey road. Wow. It was, yeah, it was really remarkable. Um, but there was just some really, really, really fun interpretations, performances, you know, Beatles love. I got to give my tip, my hat to my buddy, Steve, cause it was so important to him yep. to do this kind of like honoring his heroes. And uh, it was a really, really fun night. And I bring this up mostly to say, you know how we were talking about last week or the week ago about how it's good to get out and do these acoustic gigs. So this was an all-acoustic Beatles night. Oh, okay. We almost broke the venue. There were so many people there. I mean, just people loved it. It was a Tuesday night. And um, these kind of themed things, bringing together multiple personalities from your musical community. <laughs> If you want to make your local club owner love you, consider bringing one of these to, you know, organizing one of these for your for your local club. Because there seems to be a great appetite for them, at least here in Northern California. Uh, there's great appetite for the concept of them. And the musicians just loved it. It was one of those great highs that you get being around really fun, creative people. Energy in the room, appreciative audience. It was really a magic night. It was awesome.
0: That's outstanding. Yeah, I saw the one video of uh of you singing a tune, uh and I can't remember which tune it was. You said it last week too. The things we said today. The things we said today. And the harmonies that you and Steve had together were killer. I mean it just you well, know, it, it sounded great and then and then the you know, the whatever that that pre chorus came up and it was like, oh man. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yep. Cool, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it was really good. It was magical. Yeah. And you're right, right. Those, those theme nights, they, they, they can help. Um, they, they can be a good thing. I've, I've been part of them. It's been a little while, but you know, we used to do a lot of the Beatles stuff when I was playing in that band in Connecticut. And uh, when you've got somebody organizing it, that's really passionate about the the material, it can be a pretty special thing. So
1: I will say this, we're talking about the you know, things that can go wrong. Uh, everybody was given one song except sure. for the guys who did side to Abbey road, but that was kind of a special situation. But um, one band got up and they played their one song. They were great. It was a, it was a acoustic bass, acoustic, two acoustic guitars and they played. Um, I've just seen a face. Sung great, very nice. And it was two guys who were in a band that I know and like. And then they brought a third guy along who was a second guitar player. And um, they finished the song and the new guy breaks into a second song and i saw the, the singer go uh, uh you know like shaking shaking him off right Yeah. and then he just kind of kept at it and then the bass player played enough to in, imply that that he was going to go with it or not really understanding so they do a second song which which was you know pretty it was a gutsy it was it was well risky i would say yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, and clearly steve wasn't happy about it and um and I was just kind of watching this unfold. And I was sitting with another bandmate to Steve and, and he was like, Oh, this isn't going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the, the lesson here is if you do one respect to the guy who organizes it and, yeah. and the rules is just common sense, you know, just be cool. Like in men, like in most things in life, be cool. Yeah. You
0: know, I, I was wa- right. In fact, right before we recorded tonight, uh, we had the Grammys on at the house. You talk about mistakes and musicians that roll with it. And I wanted to make sure that I saw the the Eagles tribute. Uh, it was less of a tribute. It was it was a Glenn Fry tribute done by the Eagles with Jackson Brown, and they sang uh, and played "Take It Easy." Jackson sang it as he should they, have.
1: Uh, did, they, did they start on the right beat? They of course they did. Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, they must have listened to the show. You know, I mean, yeah, they, exactly. fans fans of what we do here. That's right. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and I liked, I, I knew that this was coming, that it, there'd been many articles about it. And I liked the fact that they involved Jackson Brown in this because it's kind of a nice thing to effectively give that song back to him for years. Yeah. He had avoided playing it live because people would say, that's weird that you played an Eagles cover. And it was like, well, yeah, but I wrote it, you know, yes. <laughs> so so it was kind of nice that they you know, I, I don't I, I think most people at this point know that Jackson Brown wrote most of Take It Easy and uh, and then had shelved it. And Glenn Fry the real credit for it, well, he wrote one great line in the tune, actually a couple of great lines, but uh, uh, his the, the real credit to Glenn Fry for that goes to remembering that the song existed because Jackson had sort of put it on the back burner and Glenn was like, no, 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 no. What's that tune you used to do? But they brought him up. They, they played it. It was very, you could, I mean, you could tell there were a lot of emotions going on with those guys on stage. Probably the last time they'll play together um, as, you know, as, as Eagles. Mm. Um, And, you know, I mean, they obviously it was, you know, paying tribute to their lifelong friend and, during the last chorus jackson brown sang the wrong lyrics oh my gosh yep and it was it was the lyrics leading into the way the chorus turns around you know you know it it, that chorus kind of re-kicks up it's almost like two choruses together it's like come on baby you know and it was leading into that that he screwed it up and he realized it as soon as he did it and he just backed off the mic and then went back up and sang the come on bae you know and, and the band just stayed with him and they were, they were right back to where they should have been and everything was fine it was like huh and you could tell he screwed it up because I mean the guy was on the verge of tears while he's doing this thing uh,
1: yeah but um, two things I'm gonna I'm gonna go see Jackson Brown he's playing an acoustic show about an nice. hour from my house next month so I'm looking forward to that and if that is the last time that the Eagles are gonna play together and clearly they're very good at recovering from errors maybe they'll come sit in my house band this summer there you go. That's right. Yeah. I'll yeah. Send a note.
0: Yeah. Send him a note. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was just one of those moments. It was like, that's the sign of a true pro, you know, that you're going to have a flub. It's going to happen. I mean, you know, that's the biggest stage you could get because it's in front of yeah. all your industry peers. And oh, yeah, by the way, tens of millions of people watching at home, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you just roll with it. And 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 he, he was poker faced about
1: it. You no know, one will remember.
0: No, no. I mean, right. Exactly. We've talked about it too much. So now we've, we've made it a bigger thing than it ever needed to be. And it's really not a big thing. I mean, it was just like one little flub and off they went, but it was, again, it was, you know, it was like, that's it. That's the sign of a true pro. So that's good. Good stuff.
1: All right. So we got um, a nice email from a listener who had an interesting proposition for us to talk about. Why don't you set that up? Sure. Yeah. Kevin wrote, he says, we recently lost a band member over
0: how we handle compensation. Here's what we do. I haul the trailer with all the gear. In addition, since I have a van, all members have the option to ride to gigs with me when it's convenient. Since I burn up a bunch of gas hauling the gear, we came up with an agreement that everyone pays 5 bucks per gig to me for gas. Additionally, some of the PA gear has taken a beating from just normal wear and tear. We've also agreed that each member contributes 5 bucks a gig towards an equipment fund. This has allowed us to replace some blown speakers, upgrade lighting, and replace mic stands and other things. Basically, what this means is that anyone before anyone gets paid for the gig, 45 bucks comes off the top for expenses. Before we bring any member on board, we communicate this to them. The member who left who was, was well aware of the policy before he joined. Do you guys believe this is a fair arrangement? How do you handle your payouts? I'm not looking for you guys to tell me what you're making per gig. That's none of my business. But I would love to hear you discuss the issue of paying members if you provide any bonuses, such as a booking bonus, and how you replace or repair broken gear, non-instruments, that is. So thanks for this, Kevin. This is a it's a good question. Um, and I'm curious. We've we've danced around this topic and, and touched on it a little bit before, Paul, but I, I liked it when it came in because I, I kind of think we might have slightly different approaches Uh Uh, Running a band is a business. Right. And and especially a cover band, you know, where there's money flowing and that's part of the reason you do this. Um, And I get that it might not be the sole reason you do it. And that's okay, Right. We've talked a lot about that. I think um, I I, I like your arrangement. Uh, It's always delicate um, sharing expenses over gear. Because, you know, it starts to get into that murky realm of who owns the gear, Mm -hmm. you you know. And and so I kind of like what you're doing in terms of, you know, you own the stuff. Five bucks comes off the top of each gig to go into a fund. Maybe you audit that fund once a year. You know, I mean, there's there's ways to deal with it. And I guess we can talk about them here. But um, I like that idea uh but you you probably want to be very clear about what that fund is for right and because you know you talk about upgrading lighting and that sort of thing that that's different than replacing that that's different than replacing stuff for wear and tear and 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 I think you probably need to be really careful about that because if you own whatever a pa and a speaker gets blown and you replace it with effectively the same kind of thing great You know, all and everybody in the band agrees. Yeah, this speaker blew because, uh, you know, we've just been using it a lot and this is the only band that uses it. And so, okay, you know, that's fine. But if you're going to say, well, you know, these speakers are fine, but we've got some extra money in the in the fund. And now I want to buy more gear that start. It's like, okay, whose gear is that now? Because they're already paying you to, to lug it, you know, and that's fine, too um so i think i think you just need to you know drawing some lines about what that money can and can't be spent for and if you want to upgrade stuff okay well is it going to be yours yeah then that should come out of your pocket and maybe if you're going to upgrade because a speaker blew well the band contributes what it would have cost to replace that speaker what would have been reasonably contributed and then and then you take that and you know upgrade from there so um but as far as that stuff goes that that's kind of how i feel about it how do you what, what are your thoughts, Paul?
1: Well, I'm a little out of my depth on this because the concept of any kind of democratic relationship in a band is, is pretty foreign to me, Mm. but I will say I've made a lot of mistakes in the assumptions that I had. So, you know, when I started my band originally, uh, the premise was I own the band. I uh, will pay for, you know, I'll, I'll take care of the financial needs of the band. You'll get your, your, your fees for playing the gig. Um, and largely the fees are divided up e- evenly. Okay. Um, uh, but I own the gear, right. And I, and I put my money in, you know, to that. And, you know, I don't charge my band for the gear. Um, I let Bill use the gear if he wants to go out. And, and, and you know, this is one of the ways that it kind of helps balance things out. Bill does a lot of gigs for me. Bill's my sound guy. He does a lot of gigs for me, but he basically has this this store of of gear that he can go out and you know if someone asks him to do sound that he can make some money off of it. Mm. It doesn't happen often, but you know it, it's a thing without paying you but, any rent on the gear. Yeah, um, it, 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 it it moves a little bit. Some sure. usually I get a little bit for the gear, but you know he has it, so he can say I can you know I'm a one stop shop. Right. So, um. But the concept of, of a band owned stuff, I mean, immediately, what happens when you leave the band? I mean, you know, you, you're you're contributing your money to the stuff, you know, for the band to own stuff. What if you're fired from the band? Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the, I, I'm not much used to this conversation in terms of democratic approach to these things. I mean, obviously, where you started, good communication, clear expectations. That's the, that's the foundation you have to build on whatever your deal is. Write it down, you know, make sure people see it, you know, send it to new band members who join in an email or or something like that. But it it needs to be non ambiguous. I think you need a contract. I mean,
0: you know, I mean, you know, the word contract comes with some baggage, but, it, you know, a contract is a a meeting of the minds. Right. I've always said that. The best thing to do is to decide what it is you all agree on and then write it down and then look at it and say, "Is that what we said we agreed yes there there's your contract right that's the that's the spirit of putting together a contract. And so it, you know you you need that, but part of what you need to put in there, Is, you know, like a prenup, you got to put in how the divorce is going to be handled. It doesn't mean that, you know, the band's going to fall apart, but you just have to accept that something in someone's life might happen that causes them to leave the band. Now that something might be the other members of the band firing them. But it also might be them deciding to move because, you know, they got a different day job or they got married or, you know, anything. Right. There's all these things that, oh, it'll never happen to me, but it might happen, you know, and that's the thing. And and that's why when you have business partnerships, you do the same thing. And this is a business partnership. Right. So it, it, if you're going to have band owned gear and and you, you're dancing very close to that, you know, with with what you're saying here then you've got to have something to address that. Um, And, and, you
1: know, I would caution this, the concept of being overly litigious in a, in a relationship like a pickup band or, you know, a a weekend warrior band. I mean, I think if you join, you know, the black crows, you know, there's, there's a very clear set of of agreements that happen. But for most of the people who are listening to this show, I don't know. I mean, I'm reacting to you saying you have to have a contract,
0: well, when and, I say contract, I mean, you need to have a clear, mutually clear understanding
1: of what's going on. But Kevin made some points about like, you know, I lugged the gear and here's the you know value of doing that. And and that to me, uh, boy, that's, that's hard because, you know, a often musicians don't have a lot of money and um, you know, it's kind of an at will relationship. Right. And, what are the things you nickel and dime about and what are the things you, you are contractual about? And once you go down that path, what else is there? Right. I live farther than you. And so I want to be, a you know, or that gig is further from me than it is from you. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so this gets, it it can enter a dicey. And that's why for me to, I don't add much to this conversation only because uh hi joe you know the gig pays 100 bucks be there at at six o'clock right and you know if you want to play in the house rockers. the assumption and i I will tell you this we we had a, a band meeting uh about a year ago and um we had to come up with a pay and distance scale any gig 50 miles from san jose pays x any gig 51 to 100 miles from san jose Pays wide. Most of the guys live in San Jose okay. or around San Jose. Any gig over, you know that any gig over, over 200 miles, you got to ask me if I'll take it. Right. You know, th- sure. that type of thing. Sure. So, you know, it, it's more like creating a structure of agreement, but uh, I did, I kind of like, you know, ugh, you know, when you said you use the word contract, I get that you didn't mean like a formal, like sign this. And you're just saying, let's, let's agree. I'm just saying relative to the email that we got in, it is really difficult if you're going to count the pennies and pinch the pennies, you know, and maybe it's not difficult if you got a band full of guys who get it and are, are on, on board in, in bands, communication is a really interesting thing. A lot of guys don't speak their minds or their hearts until it's too late. A lot of, some guys dominate the conversation and sell their ideas, you know, to a greater degree and what you're getting is other people kind of tacitly going along, but is it really what they want? So, uh, right, so I, I have some
0: I have some some anecdotal stuff to share because I've played in bands that have dealt with money in very very different ways. Um, it, in college, I was in a band called Go Figure uh, that was an original band for the most part. We played some covers here or there, but we were an original band. We recorded our own tunes, um, and and we actually did pretty well. all, all things said and done, we had some nice college airplay and, you know, played some, actually the biggest gigs I've played in my life. I'm trying to think about this. Yeah. The biggest shows I've played were show the biggest shows I played where people came to see the band I was in were with that original band. You know, we had, we had one where there was about 5,000 people. We had lots where there was, you know, a thousand to 1500 kind of thing. And uh, it was, you know, it was a good run. We didn't make a lot of money. We didn't, individually make a lot of money. And I remember there was a, a moment and I was the one that handled the money. And I made some mistakes. But it, it wasn't that I made mistakes in in and like you know, embezzled from the band or anything. Uh I made mistakes in communication and it was a, a great lesson. We took the money from every gig. Now th- this was back, you know, whatever, twenty, thirty years ago, I guess. Uh, yeah, thirty years, whatever, something like that. Uh, before email was a thing. I mean, I had email, but nobody else did. And <laughs> and so, um, so in order to to tell people about your gigs, you had to do flyers, right? Which meant you would design the flyer, which was sort of fun, and then you'd have to print up, you know, whatever, a thousand of them and then put stamps and labels on a thousand of them and then mail them. And there's some, you know, real costs involved with, with doing that. We were recording a CD at the time. Uh, so, you know, we, we, had studio time to pay for, we had production costs of the CD to pay for, you know, all of that stuff. And so all the money that we made just went into a fund. In fact, I opened a savings account, uh, to, to just dump the money into, and and that was, and it worked out great. Um, uh, until our bass player said to me, and I mean, this guy's still a dear friend, but he, he, he made a good point. He's like, you know, what's going on with all the money? Why, why are you hoarding all the money? And it was like, oh, yeah, I'm the only one that sees the books. And, you know, it, and and I, it was Jeff and I, the, the singer and I were the ones that kind of ran the the band and so we would talk about it, but even he wouldn't necessarily see like the, the, the actual balances. It was just like, how are we doing? Yeah, we're close. Are we going to be able to make this expense? Yes. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, and I realized when, when, when Mike said that it was like, Whoa, dude, you know, I've been, cause you like to make the CDs. I put a lot of my own cash on the line and it was, you know, the band was slowly paying me back and, and Jeff had done the same thing for some other stuff too. And uh, when the band finally ended, we were, Almost exactly at break even, mm. um, but it was you know it was we had a good run and and you know it was all fine. Nobody was doing it for the money, uh, but you know it was interesting to, to have to have Mike our bass player come and say, "Hey, well, dude, what's going? Where's all the money that we've been making?" It was like, "Oh yeah." I've got to show these guys that's a, that's a fair question. Like, where is all the money going? And so it was like, okay, I got to build out the spreadsheets and, you know, show them. And okay, here's where we are. And it's a good exercise. It's a good exercise to do on a regular basis. You know, if you're running a band that way, right. If you're but, running a
1: band that way, that's the key thing. The key, I, I, yeah. I don't do that. Dave, no, and so. you
0: shouldn't. But And, and, and fling shouldn't, right. Because we split the money after the gig. And if there's some extra money, we actually have a, an envelope that we keep in a very uh secret hidden location that has like f- extra cash if if we make like i don't know if it's if it's some charity gig or i don't want to say a charity gig because we if we make tips at a charity gig we just throw them all back but you know if there's something in a tip jar something happens where there's like an extra less than a hundred bucks left over from something we just sort of pile it up and then we'll go out to dinner together or you know something like that we'll 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 pay for stuff out of it Mm -hmm. but but we for the most part we really don't keep a band fund and so flings a, a different kind of band probably a whole lot closer to what kevin's talking about here uh I think it's really important to, to, to figure out, you know, what you're doing. And, and I've, I'm not, I've said it here before. I am not the one that wants to be the guy who's out booking all the gigs. And because of that, or perhaps related to that, I am totally fine paying a booking fee, you you know, and in some bands I've, I, I suggest it in every band that I'm in, uh, fling, Mike, who does most of the booking, doesn't want a booking fee. John, who does the booking in Chafed and Monkey Fist, doesn't want a booking fee. Um, I, I don't want, you know, for the, the few gigs that I book, I obviously don't take one because nobody else does. And I'm fine with it. But I really feel like, you know, a 10% booking fee is totally appropriate. and And that might be the way, to get back to Kevin's question, to handle some of this stuff. I get the feeling you're the one booking the gigs. There's always going to be... Everybody brings something different to the table and you just sort of have to accept that it's not going to be all equal.
1: Yeah. So let me give you the entrepreneurial perspective. Yeah. So here's the way I look at it. I'm, I'm focused on the big picture. Mm -hmm. I'm focused on making the band um, viable, consistent, profitable, popular on a lot of things. And so me being a sole proprietor of the band, I make decisions that might short term be bad for my pocketbook but long term be good for my goals for the band. This happens often. So so here's a great example. I'm a, you know there there are almost half the guys in my band are are working professionals. If if I didn't take a certain number of gigs, if we played less It is quite likely those guys who need to make their bills are going to fill that time with other things that will then compete for their time when I need them. So when you say working professionals, you mean working professional musicians. Yeah, like they teach all day and they gig at night. I just wanted to,
0: to separate that from working professionals in the corporate world who play, you know, gigs at night. Kind of,
1: or 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 working professionals, you know, on the corner, right? Uh Yeah. So.
0: Well, there's that um, too. That's right. Yeah, I know the guys in your band, so I kind of figured they weren't they weren't really making a whole lot on the corner, but you know, they're nice guys anyway.
1: They are nice guys, (laughs) Um, but anyway, I often will make make financial decisions that might be short term investments for long term gain, Um, and the flexibility to be able to do that is really important to me. So, you know, there are still to this day, club dates that I don't get any money for, um, you know, so I can pay the guys the minimum that we agreed to. But in the end, I have a working band. Now, if we get some really good, you know, paying corporate gig, I might even myself up. I might not. Yep. But, um, you know, I think, uh, but the guys are still getting at least their minimum for whatever that gig is based on the discussions you've all had. Right, and you know usually usually it's a, it's actually an equal split. you know, I need to recover my costs for you know our website and you know any advertising expenses every once in a while. sure, but it's it's uh, it gets to be that thing it, uh, again, if you have a band and you want to share the details of the numbers of your band, some guys will understand it, some guys won't understand it. That's the, that's
0: the key right there. And that was, you know, sort of the lesson I learned when Mike asked that question in go figure, it was like, Oh, not everybody. In fact, most people don't look at this the way I, you know, if I was in go figure, but not a, a, you know, in control of the money, I would have, I would understand that, Oh yeah, there's all this stuff happening and, and you know, there's money being shifted around to make it all happen And it's going to come out in the wash. And if there's extra, well, we'll, you know, that'll, that'll be distributed. And if not, it won't, but not everybody thinks that way. Most people don't think that way. Right. Yeah. And
1: that's okay. But it was, yeah, I was young, whatever. I was 20. These are good business lessons to learn. They are good business lessons. And I would say this, whether it's a leader or, or the guy who's running the money part of a band, which in Kevin's, you know, it seems like the leadership of the band is a shared democratic thing but the costs and the managing that type part of the money is a different thing. I'll go back to what you said over communicating is the most important thing. And, um, you know, you, you can't take on the responsibility that guys may ask questions, may not, not ask questions, but you know, like, like I think will become the motto of gig gab. Be cool is where it starts. Don't assume anything. Give everyone in your band the benefit of the doubt of, you know, of over communication And, uh, you know, uh, that's how you avoid financial strife is like bend over backwards when it comes to money, assume nothing, always demonstrate you want what's best for the whole group. And, you know, transparency, if that's, if you've promised transparency, deliver transparency, right. Right. If you, you know, whatever your deal is, stick to your deal, you know, really, 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 really clearly. And I, I guess that, that's the best way I can, I can, from my vantage point, answer Kevin's question is that, you, you know, in your band, you may have guys who are numbers guys, may have guys who are not numbers guys. You may have guys who pay attention when you tell them, we're going to spend $5 on this. And you may have guys who don't pay attention. Right. There's all sorts tell, of things. Tell them you can anyway. own that. Tell right. them, exactly. Over, over deliver. Yep.
0: I, you know, there was one, one part about the gear. Uh, you know, you mentioned in your band, you own, for the it sounds like all the year that's that doesn't belong to individual musicians um in fling we again it's not equal uh and it would never be equal and there's no way and this is actually true in chafed too uh but each guy owns but not each guy there's so there's sound gear and there's lighting gear right Uh, to just sort of lump everything in that in fling is owned split between Russ and I Uh, and it's owned in chafed its owned split essentially between Johnny and I Uh, but I own the pieces that I own and Russ owns the pieces that he owns and John owns the pieces that he owns and we all own a little bit more than we might need at any one time because John could do a gig without me and he would have enough for monitors and that sort of thing. And I, uh, you know, I could do a gig without Russ and I, I, you know, actually probably just ask Russ to borrow some of his lights and that would be fine. But you know, that, that kind of a thing where if you, if one guy, if it doesn't make sense for one guy to own everything, or if it makes sense for multiple people in the band to own things, it's better, way better. If the things that people own, are clearly theirs and it there's not shared gear. Shared gear is the kiss of death. <laughs> it re, it's really difficult. You, you know, you said, you, you know, unless you're joining the black crows, you don't want to contract, but there's a big asterisk there unless there's shared gear. In which case it doesn't matter if you're the black crows Or the nobodies, you got to have a, a, I mean, you got to be really, really clear. And that's where you need your prenup and your, you know, here's how the divorce works and all of that, because it's really messy. You got a guy that's going to leave and you've got, you know, whatever, five grand worth of gear. Okay. Well, where's his grand go? You know, he's in on this. What happens to that? You got to figure that out before the decision comes. So it's just easier if you don't have to figure it out. And that's where, you know, if it if it makes sense, you know, that you've got a couple of guys in the band and you're, you're this is always going to be the case. There, there's going to be people in the band that are more solvent than the others or just that over time have collected more stuff. Maybe everybody's solvent or everybody's not solvent, but somebody has stuff. It's like, OK, great, we'll use it. And, and actually, that's true. And Fling, you know, Burke's got a snake that he's had for years and it works great. And so we use that for the gigs and, you know, everybody kind of brings their own stuff. And together we assemble that which we need for, uh, to, to make a show happen
1: and okay, it works. Let, yeah. Let's call this, um, Gigab's first law of metaphysics, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like over communicate, be a good dude and, um, don't assume anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it. This is a fun one, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Thanks and for and we question, start Kevin. year two, huh? And we start year two. Yeah. Was it, I mean, are we actually in year two where um, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment of everyone's time and, and take a look back through the, uh, through the archives here and see if I can find when we published the very first one. I should know this, but, uh, but off the top of my head, I don't. So get gab 12 was on April 26. So I feel like we're close. Mm. So the first post, yeah, we are very close to our anniversary. The first post was on, February 19th 2015 so that's 4 days uh from now but that was Gig gab 2 you guys never heard giggab 1 oh that's right yeah yeah because it the wasn't run. It, it, it was a test run yeah 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 so uh so yeah we i mean this this wraps up a, a year of giggab for uh, for all you folks know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep yep good stuff ah how, so how did we do that? I feel like we skipped a couple of episodes in there. And yet here we are a year later, 52 weeks. You know, time has a beautiful way of working out, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, we'll just, just leave it to time.
0: That's it. Time's a fluid thing. You you folks are musicians. You know this. There's nothing, you know, people talk about how time is is regimented and it's the thing. That's, that's BS. There's no way. Time moves. You folks know that. As a drummer, I know this. You know it. That's all I got
1: today, Paul. What do you got? Oh, no, that's a good one, man. This is a long, long episode, wasn't it? Uh, 53 and a half minutes right now. So that's a long one. It is long. And we probably could have gone another hour if you let us. Uh, well, I'm not going to let us. <laughs> all right. No worries, man. Uh, happy anniversary, Dave. I love doing this with you. And thanks to all our listeners. It's been great hearing from people. It's been great getting our, our little conversations out there into the world. And uh, we have a lot more stuff, cool stuff coming for you in year two. Thanks folks. See you next week. See ya.